Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. Hello, happy Friday. We made it through another week together. Congratulations. Yes, feeling it. And uh, it's the day before a vacation. So, you know, I'm energized. I'm ready to go on vacay. Does this week actually count because it was a half a week? I know, I got lucky. Yeah, I know, right? It does. All weeks count. Are you excited to be going on vacation? I am, although I did do the weather check. Which, why did you do it so late? I mean, what would have mattered? It's not like I got my ticket a week ago. Yeah, but... You still can't go that far out. You you can. Yes, you can on the weather. You can literally go... a month out? You can go... Literally, you can go a month out. Because I was looking at the weather when I was Uh doing the Coliseum thing. I was Uh looking probably towards the middle, like... Like maybe the last two weeks of May, I would go on the Weather Channel. You can literally and was it like it. the weather they yes, said it would it be? Exactly was. Well, I'm just saying. You know, you know what? I've been to this place. I I've pre-planned. I've been to where I'm going six times, right? Mm-hmm. And it's pretty been it's been pretty consistent. Where are you going? Tell tell the world. Oh, no, don't tell the world. <laughs> I'm just joking. You're about I'm to going tell the to world. this exact address. <laughs> I'll see you there. Uh, I mean, you'll probably see it on my Instagram a bit, but. At any rate, I probably shouldn't do that either. Uh, this is changing. I feel like I used to do that, and now maybe I need to change my strategy. Hmm. Unless you want people to stalk you. Let's talk about that off air. But, yes, my, my boyfriend last night, we're talking, and he goes, uh, he goes, have you checked the weather yet? And I go, no. And I looked online, and it says, rainy and cloudy the entire time during my beach vacation. You know what you could do if you want to use technology? Go to Snapchat. Go look at the weather. Go to, like, on the Snapchat map, and you can see what people are putting on the Snapchat. Look at you with all the ideas. Well, I'm just saying, you got to... I, you know, I I don't travel like yeah, I when want you do, to. When Ryan does, I think he's like the over. He's, I'm like intense. He's the planner. Yeah, yes, and I plan, but in a different way. Be. Like I plan the activities. <laughs> yeah, she's like I plan, but in a different way. What other way is that a plan? <laughs> I reserve. I make the reservations. Okay. I do those types of okay. things. Right. I, you know, I have the hookups. I'll find. I'll investigate the yeah. places to go. Right. But that was the one thing for some reason that slipped through the cracks. So now I'm hoping that it's just going to be you know raining at different points, but not the whole time. But I got to I got to stay optimistic, right? Well, Positive mindset. No, you really do, and and also just in case, take your umbrella. <laughs> That's the words to a, a vacation to a beach. I mean, that could be cool. Like I'm playing umbrella, the by the way. Oh yeah, like that was the moment. Okay. Wow, got it. I didn't told, get it. Now. I'm just going to go play Rain On Me. <laughs> wow. Because that's probably what's going to happen. I'm just going to play weather themes. songs. You're the worst. <laughs> stop, stop creating I and manifesting <laughs> horrible things for me. I'm manifesting just you're thunderstorms. Like the evil, you're the evil manifester. No, this song is If there was an evil beautiful. manifester, it would be you. This song is beautiful it because is. she was saying, you know, mm, watch I want to be off. refreshed. I want to be cleansed. Bring it on. Well... <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for you and your week-long vacation. We have uh, Sharjah Sale yes. joining in, filling, you know, Shira's place while she's gone. The show continues, don't you worry. You know? But, uh, Ryan is holding down. More work holding for me. <laughs> but was, I, I kind of owe her. She, I kind of owe her because I've been out sick and stuff. So enjoy. You deserve. Oh, have a I good appreciate time. it. I, hopefully you take a vacation Bring me back soon. a keychain. Yes, I always, I must say, I always bring back gifts for everyone. Yeah, she does. At she least really I do does. that. Come on. I deserve it so you can get a gift. Okay, uh, coming up this show, lots happening. We were talking about the difference between cultural appropriation and appreciation. 
How many times can we have that? At 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern, we're getting to the core of the issue, right? I know. I'm just so tired of talking um, about it. Pl- oh, my God. Plus, Britney Spears' dad is speaking out. That's in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some What's Trending this hour. The CDC issued new guidelines for schools that give students who have been vaccinated the option of going maskless this fall while their classmates who have not had shots continue to wear face coverings. But, you know, some states have already lifted mask mandates like Texas and Miami, so I guess they're not even following this. CDC recommends everyone 12 years and older should get a COVID-19 vaccine. President Joe Biden has nominated the first out lesbian to an ambassador-level position in U.S. history. Chantal Wong has been anointed U.S. Director of the Asian Development Bank, which works to foster economic growth in the Asia-Pacific region. If approved by the Senate, she will be the first LGBTQ person of color, as well as the first gay woman with the rank of ambassador. Chantal Wong, yes. So just a shout out to her, early yes queen. And on Facebook, Wong wrote she was truly humbled and honored to be nominated. And finally, California gubernatorial candidate Caitlyn Jenner responded to reports that she hasn't voted in two-thirds of the elections in which she was qualified to participate. Here she is. Caitlyn Jenner. I vote like probably most of all California voters. Sometimes there's issues that I want to vote on, sometimes there's not. And uh, I stick with that. I voted when I needed to, uh, depending on what the issues are. So, no, I have no regrets on something like that. There's no reason that's a reason why I'm running. Um, uh, no, I'm actually very proud of my voting record. I mean, she kind of stumbled through that. But at this point, I feel like it's better to acknowledge that, you know what, I wasn't political. One, because of my privilege, and also because um, it was something that I didn't know how I connected to it. And now seeing everything as it's happening, I realize that I want to take control. And the only way to do that and like be part of the process and create change is to run. Are I you feel like it's okay Caitlin to do this. Right now? You know what I'm saying? If she at least acknowledged, right now she's just dilly dallying around the fact that she hasn't voted. Just acknowledge, you know what? Yeah, politics was a boring thing to me, like a lot of people, and I have the privilege. But now I'm, uh, instead of complaining to create change, I'm running to create change. I actually, no, I want her to say that because it'll shoot herself in the foot. If she says politics were boring to her at a time and they didn't, it, it didn't matter because guess what? She's for a lot of people. No, you know, not for, for a lot, lot, for a of, lot of people. Yeah, and for a lot of people who need to know more about the systems that they're living in, yeah, for sure. But for Caitlyn Jenner, who is like a millionaire and who has lived in this fantasy world that no one will ever get to experience in, in this life or the next possibly, I don't know. I actually, Caitlyn, follow Shira. Say that, please. <laughs> Please Maybe say not that. like that. No, say it exactly like knowledge. that. I, think I want that you to say it like that. The more you yep, aren't real about who you are and what you are, then it just sounds weird. It's obviously not No authentic. one wants Caitlyn Jenner exactly. around. So just be... Uh, not that this is going to make her win. I'm just saying, at this point, just at least it Sounds like do you're that. her campaign manager. I'm like, not, what is going I'm on? Putting on the, the other hat. This is disgusting. Well, let's get into some entertainment It's raining, news. raining. Oh, that was your... That was me. Okay, That's all right. for you, Ryan. <laughs> okay, so Britney Spears is speaking out after, well, no, Britney Spears' dad is speaking out after death threats increased towards all the conservators involved. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, Jody Montgomery, who is one of the conservators for Britney, is asking that she gets 24-7 protection because of all the death threats. And, well, Britney's dad is saying that that's unreasonable. Jamie Spears' attorney said this, Mr. Spears is very concerned about the situation that has been developing for many months and the dangerous rhetoric that has been circula- uh, circulating for quite some time regarding the conservativeship. So um, basically, he goes on this. Uh, he goes on to say, the increasing number of threatening communications and social media posts directed to individuals involved in the conservatorship apparently include Miss Montgomery now. Jamie disagrees with and objects to Montgomery's 24-7 request for security for an indefinite period of time, which she estimates to be more than $50,000 per month or around $68 an hour. It's really interesting what, I guess, Jamie finds acceptable to spend his daughter's money on. But um, this is happening. All of them are experiencing death threats. And, Miss, you know, Jody Montgomery is just like, I just need some security to make sure me and my family are okay. Jody Montgomery? 
Well, I just explained it. No, Johnny Montgomery is the person. I know, but like who, I'm trying to remember who she was. I feel like I've never heard of her name. Well, she's a part of the concern. She uh, handles all the financials got it. for Britney, so I don't think we would hear from her. Okay, got it. Yeah. So oh, I see a picture of her online. I just Does like, she look familiar? Is she a cousin? She just looks like some sort of corporate rando <laughs> who just somehow got into the Britney Spears case. She's existing in the details, folks. All right, that's your team report. I got more coming up next hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As the Western U.S. gets ready for another scorching weekend, experts are sounding the alarm on the socioeconomic impacts of heat waves, specifically on farmers. Joining us now is Federico Castillo, a lecturer and research specialist at the University of California at Berkeley. He also co-leads the Latinx and the Environment Initiative at UC Berkeley. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, now this is all very concerning and scary. Let's get into the impacts, which, you know, you've written a lot and and researched a lot about this, the impacts of the heat waves on the farm workers. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, heat waves are likely to increase in number and intensity over the coming years as climate change uh, impacts uh, our planet. So uh, uh, farm workers uh, work for the most part outdoors. That means that they're uh, exposed to heat wave occurrence. Uh, temperatures in the Central Valley in California can reach up to 112, 115, 117 uh, on any given day during a heat wave. The same thing happens in Coachella Valley, Imperial Valley down south at the border with Mexico. So farm workers are basically exposed to heat waves. It means that they it impacts their health their ability to earn a living uh, through lost days of work because sometimes they cannot even work or through uh, working only a half day and then being sent home. Remember, they're paid by the hour or by the unit. So when they don't work, they basically don't, they don't get paid. They don't claim vacation. They don't have sick leave. Uh, and so basically no work, no pay with an impact on their income uh, and their health. Yeah, and you spoke about in the Washington Post kind of like the importance of educating the workers on working in this uh, dangerous heat and kind of ways to prevent that. Why is that not happening? It feels like that should be a part of automatically like training when it comes to them doing their jobs. Well, remember, our farm workers uh, were uh, during the COVID-19 crisis that we still are going through to a degree they were deemed essential workers, except that they are not treated as essential, right? Mm-hmm. So training is something that is not ha- that doesn't happen as a matter of fact, as a routine, as a normal process so for farm workers. They might be told that, for example, here is a water station, there is another water station, and there is a shade, and there is a shade station when they exist, when, when they are available to them. But that doesn't mean that they don't know, for example, how often they need to do these when temperature reach a particular level, or for example, that doesn't mean that they understand what they're being told because sometimes they speak Spanish only, or uh, a large proportion of farm workers are indigenous uh, people from Mexico, Central America, they don't even speak Spanish. So they don't speak English, they don't speak Spanish, they speak something else. And so the little training that is there is not culturally tailored to the needs of the farm workers. So for no matter, you know, even if you were to provide training, we do know that is not consistent with the requirements, the cultural requirements of farm workers. So what's being done to change that, knowing that's the reality? Well, uh, uh, legislation, of course, and regulations have uh, been improving over time. There have been what we can call watersheds for farm workers, uh, individuals who have died on particular farms, uh, who have then triggered a change in legislation. So, indeed, there is an increase or uh, there is a strong regulation in terms of water stations availability, uh, treatment of women who are pregnant uh, on the field uh, on a different basis by virtue of the fact that they are more vulnerable to heat, right, uh, and, and other shaded areas availability. Uh, but enforcement continues to be an issue. It doesn't matter how strong you, uh, how strong the legislation is, if enforcement is not consistent throughout the agricultural sector, then agricultural workers will continue to be vulnerable. So, yeah, legislation has improved, that has changed, but enforcement continues to be an issue. 
And I don't think people realize, well, hopefully they do. It's a domino effect. You know, inhumane treatment, less people wanting to do this work, it, impact, it impacts the food chain. Right. So, of course, that impacts the food chain. When you speak with some farmers, some farmers will tell you, well, uh, uh, heat impacts our operation. Remember, crops don't wait to be harvested for the heat to go by, right? So crops are either harvested or they go to waste. So you still have to need, you still, if you have a labor-intensive crop, say watermelons, you still need the human beings to go and pick the watermelons and put them in crates and send them to market. Uh, by having workers impacted uh, by heat waves, their cognitive ability diminishes, their ability to work hours diminishes, and there might, there might be impacts on the food supply chain for some crops as heat uh, increases. All right. I have so many more questions about this. I like feel like we could nerd out on this. Uh, but right now we need to wrap up this conversation. That was Federico Castillo, lecturer, research specialist at the University of California, Berkeley. Also, uh, check out his work he's doing. He's co-leading the Latinx and the Environment Initiative at UC Berkeley. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much for having me. And I wish you a safe weekend. Oh, you Stay too. out of heat. Yes. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Now, coming up, why this senator is continuing to stir up a feud against Taylor Swift. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Senator Marsha Blackburn continues her running feud with Taylor Swift. Why is she such a hater of Taylor Swift? I mean, I know in the past Taylor could have been, as as you would say, Ryan, a bit maybe. I know. Oh, I used to hate her. Yeah. But then she dropped uh, dropped folklore and it changed everything. So she, I mean, to bring her into politics right now, you know, these senators, don't they have other stuff to do? Other people to fight for, policies to make? Well, Senator Blackburn is warning Taylor that if we have a socialist government, the state would have to approve her music. She's trying to use some scare tactics to stop um, Taylor from, I guess, sharing liberal messages and supporting the progressives here is the senator recently if we have a socialistic government if we have marxism you are going to be the first ones who will be cut off because the state would have to approve your music and you know taylor swift came after me in my 2018 campaign but Taylor Swift would be the first victim of that because when you look at Marxist socialist societies, they do not allow women to dress or sing or be on stage or to entertain or the type music that she would have. They don't allow protection of private intellectual property rights. This is so twisted and manipulative, this whole statement. And by the way, that was from an interview that this uh, senator did with Breitbart. 
Oh, God. Uh, yeah, this is what happens when you use fear tacti- tactics to stop people from, you know, because socialism or any sort of more progressive nature of where a government swings. Yeah, it's government's getting involved, but government's getting involved to support you know your freedoms and healthcare and support you living it's not necessarily to say you can't write what you want to write unless of course it's racist and hurtful and involves hate speech that's wrong i'm not worried about that oh my lordy what do you think ryan oh what do i think just another reason to be disappointed and say i'm from tennessee huh but um I mean, I don't, to be honest, I don't really think much. That's kind of interesting. I'm kind of speechless. I don't really have any thoughts about this because it's the same thing. And um, if I'm being honest, I'm never going to stick up for any white woman. I'm just just joking. Maybe I should have said that. Actually, I mean it. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Wow. We just went into, uh, uh, we went into Ryan's brain right now. No, I just, you know, I don't really know, I don't really care about her feud with Taylor Swift. And, you know, her bringing up socialist governments and things like that just is diverting from anything that Taylor is probably really trying to highlight when she's speaking up about politics at any point, period. Um, But I just hate that I'm in the position to speak up for Taylor Swift. That's what I was trying to say. Taylor Swift needs help here, Ryan. She's being dragged down. She deserves a voice here. Let us know what you think at LGT shows where you can find us on social media. She pays me a consultancy fee that I'll I'll stick up for. Do you really think that socialism and Marxism and all this stuff. I have the time. To socialism. I don't like, even know. Like it. all these things. Like I'm always like I have to Google what the difference is between all these things all the time. But <laughs> that's what Joy Behar once is. Once again, like pro socialism. Most pe- I, most super progressive people are pro socialism. Once again, I'm less worried about approving music and more worried about making sure I can have the choice over my body. Let's talk about that. Mic drop. All right. <laughs> Letting. <laughs> Let us know what you think at LGT Show. Coming up, a Tennessee law is requiring transgender bathroom signs. What advocates have to say about this that's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Child, those breaks be quick. We be, you know, we're right now behind the scenes info and what we're doing on the show. What? Um, I, you know, Shira's going on vacation. She always prioritizes vacations. And I feel like I... It took me a long time. Let me say it took me a long time to go there. I'm so bad at it. I'm so bad. But your age, by the way, not to be ageist, we should do this as a four maybe. At your age, like, I wasn't into it. A boyfriend of mine forced me because he was like 15 years older than me. And I remember taking off and I was like, oh my God, I can't leave. I can't leave. What's going to happen? It's just just like wanting to plan it in a way that is like just perfect. Yeah, we'll we'll discuss more, but... That's so what listen, I'm figuring out right now, guys. Help him at the Slay God is where you can find him on social media. Uh, yeah, if you're listening, you work at one of these hotels. I got a cousin, honey. Slide into his DMs. <laughs> Coming up, how the way social media sites are designed make us argue more and how we can do, like, or what we can do to change that behavior. That's in 15 minutes. Plus, why Wendy Williams is getting in trouble again in the tea in a moment. But first, what's trending this hour? A Tennessee law requiring businesses to post a notice if they allow transgender patrons to use bathrooms in line with their gender identity is facing a pair of legal challenges. Nashville record label owner Mike Kerb and the ACLU are filing lawsuits, which reference that these signs create fear and intolerance towards transgender people and falsely portray them as a threat to the safety or privacy of other members of the public. Thank God, because, yeah, that law is trash. And the entire east and southeast portion of Massachusetts are under tropical storm warnings for Tropical Storm Elsa. A flash flood warning has been issued for the Boston area, as well as Middlesex, Worcester, Norfolk, and Bristol counties you, until 4 p.m. What did you just say? What's Do that? I need to hit the dump button? No. <laughs> I was being, getting my, my Boston accent on. So uh, best of luck to our friends listening in Boston. I don't know. Boston is so racist. That's what Ellen Pompeo says. I only follow what I mean, it's, it's Meredith very, Gray yeah. says from Gray's Anatomy. She says it's a really racist place. That's why she left. It. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's very old school American. So, did you just rebrand racist? (laughs) I'm a racist, a.k.a. an an old school school American. 
Not like those no, new school types. Um, all right. That's that was funny. what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my goodness. Child Wendy Williams done put her foot in her mouth again, and girls are size 11, so it's pretty big. Um, it's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So... All of this happened over a TikTok star. It's kind of wild. I've never heard of this person. Um, but people are upset that she basically dragged him and says she didn't know who he was right before announcing that he was murdered. Oh. Here is the exchange. I have no idea who this is. Neither does Norman. Well, he's a TikTok star. He's got more followers than me. 2.5 million. On TikTok, but on Instagram, you have more followers. Well, as my son Kevin would say, no one uses Instagram anymore. What? And <laughs> as, as far as TikTok, I don't use that at all. Uh-uh. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't want to be involved. <laughs> so here he is. He's 19, and he was murdered Monday morning. So here's the thing. Yeah, we, we're Wendy. talking in the break of, like, what was going down in that clip. Well, Wendy... It, it was. It caught people off guard because they're like, well, first of all, we had no clue Wendy was going there. Like, she's dragging yeah. him, talking about his followers, and then she's like, well, he was murdered. <laughs> it's because on the teleprompter, we were saying how she doesn't seem to probably she prepare. Follow it. Yeah, or she's probably just doing the intro of like this guy, and then she's going off on this guy. Like, who's yeah. this guy? What the hell? And then it moves up. The teleprompter moves up, and he's my dead. Thing, but my thing is, you have the audience like laughing at these jokes, and, the, and then they're like, Oh, um, well, it pissed people off so quick on the internet where basically one outraged fan said that she is so hateful, like she basically treated the announcement of his death like it was funny gossip. Yeah. Another shocked viewer responded, right, but then you could hear the audience gasp when she uh, when she said what had happened to him. He was a very young man, may he rest in peace. And Wendy's been having, I mean, not, uh, Wendy's been having some crazy moments recently where she mm -hmm. was talking about Britney Spears and Jamie Lynn Spears and uh, Britney's mom mm -hmm. and she literally uh, <laughs> she had a moment that went viral where she said death to all of them and pe and someone in the crowd was like Jesus like and then she was like shocked that she said it so there's something like with Wendy where she forgets sometimes I think she's on television and she just says whatever she wants which is good TV sometimes but then it also crosses a line that's your tea report though let me know what you think about Miss <laughs> Wendy Williams I Wendy's crazy, but I still love her. Yeah, I have a little place like in my heart for her. Crazy aunt. For sure, like the crazy aunt. That is your T Report. I got more stories coming up next hour. Next, why we argue more when we're on social media and how that impacts our behavior offline. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Researchers discovered how social media sites are designed to make us argue more. Surprise, surprise. Social media just leaves us feeling angrier. Amanda Bond joins us right now, a computer science PhD student studying online arguments at the University of Washington. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So this is a very interesting topic, very relevant. Hey, Amanda. <laughs> what inspired this study? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for me, it came from, honestly, partially from my own experiences with arguing online, especially during the pandemic. It felt like there was a lot of anger, a lot of shaming of people, and I thought it was really interesting how these dynamics were playing out and how there didn't seem to be a lot of ways to prioritize people's relationships hmm. over kind of the shame and anger we were seeing online. Yeah, so you and your colleagues surveyed and interviewed 257 people about their experiences with online arguments and how design could possibly help. And you looked at 10 different social media platforms, um, which was really interesting because my thing is, it all depends on who you're following and interacting with to kind of create those, you know, contentious moments or these arguments. Is that something that you found when it came to who people were interacting with on these platforms is why maybe they were having more arguments than others? Yeah, I absolutely think that plays a role. Our study didn't specifically look at that, but people have found before that different topics that people tend to engage with like have different types of language styles. So, for instance, people are way more rude generally with political discussions and mm -hmm. that tends to get a lot more engagement but when people are talking about mental health it's a really empathetic 
comments and conversations that get a lot more engagement. So it really can vary. Also, um, I'm about to start an argument now because you didn't say my question was really good after Shira got a good compliment. (laughs) I'm just saying. You don't need social media to start arguments here. Uh, How did you get this data and get to this um, finding? Yeah, I interviewed and surveyed 257 people, and it was kind of over time. We started with interviews, tried to get a feel of how people are arguing and feeling about their arguments, and then from there thinking about, okay, how could design help people have these conversations in a more constructive way? So what was the most shocking thing that you found out out of the study? I was honestly really surprised to find that even with all of the vitriol on the internet, people are still pretty hopeful about social media being a place to have these difficult discussions, which is also exciting for me as a researcher of social media. Definitely. Um, Yeah. Did you find a difference depending on the platform? Yeah. How people argued definitely depended on the platform. Like, Places like Facebook, people thought it was pretty difficult to avoid having an argument at some point, whereas places like YouTube, people barely ever argued, even though they spent pretty similar amounts of time on both platforms. Can I ask what the age range was for this? Because I'm actually really shocked. I feel like old people use Facebook. And so when you're thinking about the age range... Old people argue. No, I mean, they do. But then also, barely anybody on Twitter, out of the kind of what I'm seeing on your study... Um, the, it was about 30% of uh, users who have had arguments. Twitter is a cesspool when yeah. it comes to arguments. So that was really shocking to me that it wasn't right underneath Facebook. I was surprised by that, too. Yeah, from my own experiences as well. Um, so our age range was adults, so people over 18. And it went up to people, I believe, in their 70s. How did design have to do with this, though? Like, I know I, I know why I, I could get a sense of making the assumption of, like, why these platforms would um, ins- inspire, encourage people to argue. But what does design have to do with it? The way that I think of it is our interactions online are not happening in a vacuum. They're being scaffolded in a specific way to allow us to either take certain actions or not take other actions. And I think up until, like, fairly recent history, it's gotten a bit better, but really the only options when you had an online argument were to comment or delete a post or maybe block people. There weren't really a lot of like ways to set a more soft boundary. Um, So I think that design has an opportunity to allow people to say, okay, like I need a break and I'll come back to this later, or I'm done having this conversation or let's move to a DM where people aren't all looking at what we're saying and it seems a little bit more about the relationship. Yeah. Um, so I think design could help a lot. Yeah, so what what do you want social media developers to get out of this? Like, what's or your study? Users. Our users, yeah. too. Like, what, how are, well, uh, the reason why I think developers specifically is because they're the ones making the app. So if they are creating uh, an app that doesn't allow people to argue all the time, is that something that you want them to take away from that? Or what? what what's the thing here? Yeah, great question. I think that Finally, there's something that one. could work for both users. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something that could work for both users and developers, which is something people loved in our study, which is to change channels when you're on like a Facebook comment thread or you're in a Twitter argument to move from that public area into a like private DM if you want to continue the conversation. There's always the option to walk away as well. But I think that moving to that private channel allows people to feel more more vulnerable and like they can have a more honest conversation. And it's not just a fight to see who will win with lots of people watching. Definitely. Well, that was Amanda Bond, a computer science PhD student from the University of Washington. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Coming up, what is cultural appropriation and how does it differ from cultural appreciation? Breaking it down next. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back and we're talking about cultural appropriation and how it differs from cultural appreciation. Fashion companies and celebrities are increasingly being challenged for wearing or selling expensive versions of traditional indigenous looks and outfits. And here to break it all down is Dr. Joshua Kane, lecturer at ASU, specializing in American race and ethnic relations. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, well, let's get into this complicated subject because uh, it's something that comes up a lot lately. Why do you think that is? Uh, Increasing diversity, I would say, in the United States and then, of course, increasing sensitivity to institutional racism around the world. Okay. I mean, that was a really short and sweet conversation. You can have, you can be more, since you're on radio, you can be a little more conversational about it. No, but I, I think what's really interesting when you're, when we're having these conversations, especially when there's celebrities involved, mm-hmm. um, I can think of like Kendall Jenner kind of being called out recently for her tequila 818 and, and how they were saying that she was appropriating Mexican culture. So in your article, you kind of touch on the celebrity aspect of, you know, people jumping into these spaces that may not necessarily be for them and, and then profiting off of it. Can you uh, uh, basically talk a little bit more about that? Elaborate. Yeah, well, the Kendall Jenner case is quite interesting in that the advertising campaign seemed to trigger more accusations of cultural appropriation than her actually, you know, going to Mexico and employing people who are agriculturalists in Mexico, Mexican, and she's been working with them for years. And so if you look at the advertisement itself, even though they're, you know, the, the farmers and the, her partners, her Mexican partners are actually in the commercial. It still comes off as if she is wearing Mexican culture as a costume in order, you know, she's the center of the commercial. But she and was. so, you know, if she really wanted to, in my view, not get accused of cultural appropriation, you know, she's, she's kind of a, a flashpoint. The Kardashians are for all this sort of stuff. She shouldn't have made herself the focus of yeah. the commercial, and she should have made Mexican indigenous culture but the it, focus of the commercial. Her name would have been enough. Yeah, but even then, I feel like many people are quick for good reason to call it out and say, even I think at that point, the judgment would have been like, are you using this to make a buck, right? And and so how do celebrities and companies navigate these spaces to celebrate traditions and things that are inspiring to them without appropriating them? Right. And it comes down to, again, I think that difference between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation. Kendall Jenner is very into tequila. And that's really clear. And she's made that really clear for years now as she's tried to get this tequila to the market. What she hasn't made clear is whether she has a true appreciation for Mexican culture. Is she steeped in it? Has there been years of learning? Is she even interested? Is there anything more there than just her interest in tequila? And from all appearances, no. And that really, I think, is the key way for celebrities and individuals and organizations, companies and businesses to avoid accusations of cultural appropriation. Don't try to profit from cultures that there is not a deep understanding, deep learning, and and a record, years of record of being steeped in and just appreciating, appreciating the culture. It's not a fad. It's a way of life to appreciate a culture. Yeah, because I think that's what is so triggering uh, for so many people who are in marginalized communities, where when we're seeing folks like the Kardashians succeed in, 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 
based off of like succeeding in ways where they're basically copying, <laughs> you know, cu- culture, cultures, outfits, you know, anything that really feels like they got it from other cultures and they're getting praised for it. But then we're having moments where we're seeing in the Olympics that they're banning swim caps because of African-Americans in their hair. And so it's one of those things where it, it, it starts to feel triggering. Do you think we'll ever kind of be able to, is there a way, a right way of doing the, the cultural celebration of it all especially if you are a celebrity and you're not a part of said culture that you're trying to highlight i guess well i think the problem really goes back to institutional racism and systemic racism and that's what is really triggering to people of color and marginalized people around the world when they see celebrities like the kardashians try to use their culture in a way that makes the celebrity or the influencer look edgy, but doesn't really give back or, or publicize the culture in a way that's respectful. And if we could fix the institutional racism, then it wouldn't be the Kardashians needing to find content in order to, you know, and, and raid in a real way, other cultures in order to find content. It will be a diverse group of celebrities coming and hailing from each culture. And yeah. so they will naturally be steeped in that culture. And so there's no easy fix for this, and there's no black and white lines, that's for sure. But if there's any solution, like most of these questions these days in the United States, it goes back to really figuring out ways to get at and change institutional racism. Yeah, and we have, actually, I have something I've been thinking about in terms of how companies and celebrities can better approach this, but also we want to talk about how regular folks can deal with this, because we all might go travel somewhere and buy something or be inspired by another culture. You mean white people? You're saying you No, are. I would say Because it's only white people that do it. It's only white people who rock and cornrows and rock and, you no, know, not cornrows, but I'm saying if you go to, really we're going to talk about saying. the everyday person and She talking about white people. Next. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. We are back with Dr. Joshua Kane, a lecturer at ASU, specializing in American race and ethnic relations as we talk about cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. Yeah. Before we get into the every person, um, mm-hmm. I, d- I think that a way to get into a space that you're inspired by Um, One is being honest about it and learning about it and taking time, whether it be you have taken the years to do it or you are committed to it in the future. But then partnering with someone who's in that space like that for me is the obvious thing. If a big fashion company is going to launch something, partner and then donate some of that money to an organization in that space. Right. Or if a celebrity is going to do something like have a co-founder that is part of that culture. Like I feel it and, and donate money back to it. I feel like that's the obvious thing that I never see. And those people always end up so in the background. So it defeats the purpose of the partnership. Yes. And, and I would agree certainly that that is a good step and necessary, but beyond that, it's, it's not necessarily um, decisive in whether there will be accusations of cultural appropriation for like example, we were talking about Kendall Jenner and she really was working with Mexicans, you know, agriculturalists and Mexican partners and, you know, very, very large business organizations. Um, there's the recent case of Michael B. Jordan who um, launched uh, tequila with the name La Jover, which is uh, Trinidadian holiday. And they reduced that holiday down to the party start in the tagline. Now, Jordan has a Trinidadian partner, but somewhere the meaning of the holiday got lost in translation in their advertising campaign. And even Nicki Minaj said, this is, this is not right. This is not representing our, our mm. culture correctly and our tradition correctly. And they changed the name of the rum or that they're working on changing the name of the rum. Wow. And so it, it's necessary, but not sufficient. And in a perfect world, there wouldn't need to be these necessary partnerships from the West with the rest of the world in order to have these successful launches in the United States. Yeah, I think you're so right. And I, I think we should move from celebrity because, I mean, I've been in, in places um, out here where I'm at a bar and, uh, you know, a, 
you know, a white guy, he sees my hair in dreads, asks me how it happens, and he's like, I want to get my hair like that, or I've gotten my hair in braids, and, you know, I was dragged for it online. And, and it's one of those things where I felt like I had to, like, kind of explain to him, <laughs> which is, like, kind of annoying, but... What? How does it work for the regular person to understand the difference between cultural appropriation and just appreciation? Sure. I mean, first off, there's a long history, of course, of people of color and civilizations across all of history um, wearing the, the hairstyle locks. And when the colonialists came into contact with these cultures, then it became dreadlocks and it was a pejorative term. And so these are the sorts of things that white people miss when they just appropriate the idea of wearing locks for their own edgy style because they just they want to be edgy. For individuals like everybody else, it comes down to whether it's true cultural appreciation. If there is any aspect of it that feels all right, so say you you know uh, your family went to Japan and brought back a kimono for you to wear. Um, the question becomes, does it feel like you're wearing it like a costume? You know, there, in American culture, it's going to be pretty noticeable if you're wearing a kimono. And then the question is going to be, okay, where is that? How is that? Or how is that not appropriate? And for most Americans in that situation, it would come off like a costume. And through the eyes of the indigenous culture, that would be a problem. It would, in order for it to not come off like a costume, there would have to be, again, a long history of learning cultural appreciation. And it would, you know, Japanese culture would have to be a key part of your identity. And everybody in your life would be aware of this so that when you wore a kimono, it was, it was, it was uh, not a costume, but a true reflection of one's understanding, learning, appreciation, and identity and, for an outside culture. And, and, I, also and that's feel like, I also feel like you could just also just appreciate it without having to be like, I need to be in it. I need to wear it. I need to do all these things. Like, you could just be like, that's a, a nice thing. Like, that's something yeah. that I, I, I find very beautiful. But you kind of inserting yourself or... Or, or what if there's, or, like, someone who gives it to you that's in that culture or if there's a store that's, like, here that's owned by someone in that culture that's selling... I mean, they're trying to create a business and you're supporting it. Is that bad? I think that's a really good point. And I would say, again, I, these these lines are really blurred. Yeah. And you want, you want to support indigenous businesses. You want to support you know, businesses that are coming up in cultures that do not get the same sort of visibility in the United States. Yep. And there is a really fine line between pushing the boundaries of fashion and your fashion by integrating what other cultures are doing and doing it in a way that, that triggers uh, um, accusations of cultural appropriation. Definitely. And with things like this, with social issues like this, it's really the more you know about the culture itself that you want to use to push your fashion boundaries, the less likely it is that whatever you do do will result in those sorts of accusations. Mm -hmm. So it really, again, goes back to that lifelong learning, love and appreciation Definitely. for the culture that you're going to try oh. to um, uh, bring visibility to. Well, that was Dr. Joshua Kane, a lecturer at ASU specializing in American race and ethnic relations. Thanks for this conversation. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. We'll be back with more of Let's Go There right after this. Thanks. Sorry, we, we had um, our, yeah, is he there? Yeah, he's there. Oh, sorry. We had to go because um, I stopped the segment because we have to play it now. The break was ending. <laughs> like, okay. Very we good. We recorded but thank you so much. Oh, this was fun. Yeah. Have me on anytime. I'll be writing more for NPR, I hope. Okay, cool. All right. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye, Joshua. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. There's a theory that a group of researchers have that explains that people commonly underestimate how well they're liked after interacting with another person. I totally uh, relate to this. This resonates, even the other day, I was catching up with someone I haven't seen throughout the entire pandemic. Just like, you know, it's a friend acquaintance. And we had a great convo, it was a great time. And yet afterwards, I defaulted to me. Did I, yeah, did I talk too much about this? Da, 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 da. I started going into that cycle, questioning myself. What? 
I do that all the time. Like, yeah. all the time. Because I get, you know, worried if people... Um, and I, I joked earlier, I said this is kind of a Leo thing to do, like where most of the time is like you just wondering if people like you or not. Yeah. Because you do want to be liked and you do want to make a good impression and show people your real authentic self. But sometimes, you know, awkward things happen and sometimes you just get in your head. But, and we're bringing in our expert, it might not be as bad as you think. And this research shows that. Margaret Clark joins us right now as a professor of psychology at Yale, focusing on the functioning of close relationships and the roles that it plays in our lives. Thanks for being here. Um, I'm happy to be here. So uh, this is called the liking gap, according to the work that has been done. What is the liking gap? Can you explain? It's, it's pretty simple. It's just the gap between how much people really do like us and how much we think they like us. And we generally, the surprise is that um, we, we don't realize how much other people like us. Mm. Uh, people actually like us more than we think they do. And it's pretty generally true, and it's a surprise in some ways because most biases that we see in psychology are what we call self-serving. Mm. Um, they favor the self. But here's a case um, where the bias exists, and it doesn't seem to favor us. Wow. Well, why do we? Why do most people default to the idea that people don't like them? Is it kind of a reflection of how they view themselves? Um, not really. There are a couple of different explanations. The first one that we came up with was that when you're having a conversation with another person uh, and you finish, um, you probably think that they did just fine, but you criticize yourself. You think oh, I said this, but I should have said that. Um, you know, I, I shouldn't, maybe I sound like I'm bragging. You criticize yourself. You tend not to criticize the other person. And perhaps as a result, you think you did worse than they did because you've criticized yourself and you haven't criticized them. But another explanation, and, and it doesn't, um, is that, it's a self-protective kind of thing. When you have a conversation, nobody wants to be rejected um, by another person. So it's self-protective to kind of think, I didn't do that well. And then oh. if, if they're not so impressed with you, um, you, you already thought it. You knew it already. Wow. Um, now, those two are not in conflict with one another. They both could be true. That's messed up. Well, then, yeah, still, why do we do that to ourselves? It seems like self-torture. Um, well, we certainly don't intend to torture ourselves. As I said, <laughs> yeah. we may do it. Um, we may criticize ourselves because we want to do better. Mm. Um, it, it's a good thing to review your behavior in many ways yeah. so that next time you're in a situation, you do better. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, nor is being a little self-protective um, when... You know, you don't really know what the other person um, thinks of you, so you don't get your hopes up so high, and then then you're not disappointed if they if they don't like you. So those are not necessarily bad things. Um, what we found is that pretty much everybody does it. It's it's not something that people who are maladjusted do. We found it pretty much across the board. Almost everybody does it. How do we bridge the liking gap then? Or is this like, is this more, this information helps us feel more at peace with the fact that we do this? Um, I think the way, what we did see in one of our studies is that across time, uh, it does decrease. Eventually, when you form friendships with another person, when you form a rom romantic relationship with another person, uh, and they decide to stick with you, you do realize that they like you. So it does disappear over time, just as a function of getting to know a person, continuing the relationship, and the very fact that they continue it and choose to spend time with you will, will cause it to um, disappear in time. We saw that happen across people's first year in college, where at the beginning of the year, um, and even at the middle of the year, they thought they liked um, the, the other new uh, fresh um, 
men at the college. And then by the end of the year, uh, the liking gap disappeared. Oh. So it, it, it does go away. Okay. What? Nothing. Nothing. Well, no, because I, I wonder, most people do it more than others. And, like, they stay in it. And I'm like, what, what's that balance of, like, just kind of being hard on yourself, but mm. then also just then being mean to yourself, being like, well, I don't think I'm likable. Or social anxiety. Yeah, like, where does that play into it? Because I feel like we're not a staff, like we're not acknowledging that social anxiety actually exists. Oh, yeah, I think it, I think it exists. And it's very natural at the beginning of a relationship because you really don't know what the other person thinks. So while there are people who are really anxious, no matter what, all of us at the beginning of a relationship are anxious. All of us, if you interview for a job, almost everybody's anxious and, and that's, it's not inappropriate. You really don't know what the other person thinks yet. Well, why not find and, out? Can you not ask? Like, can you not ask well, them? Be like, yeah. did you, was that a good I don't think experience? you can ask. Why not? Oh my God, I've asked so many times. No, when you just meet I have literally asked so many times because I always ask, for me, it's like, what was your first impression of me? Well, that's after the, when you get to know them. No, that's literally the second question I'll ask. <laughs> oh, I think I'm, it's, it's like, why not? to ask because, well, if you ask me, um, if, if you ask me, okay, I've talked to you for what? Three minutes, and you ask me. You, you know what whether you, you like me. a person or not. I will know I whether I like I a person like, or not. I think what most people would say, "Of course, I like you," and then you wouldn't believe it because it's no. the polite. Girl, thing I'm a to Leo. Do. I'm believing that. I'm taking all the compliments. Wow. This is a whole other conversation. <laughs> well, no, I'm being serious because you know, right when you meet, like I can know right whether it's a look or it's a, a, a first conversation interaction introduction i know whether vibes. or not that i like someone or not and i think it is okay if someone was to ask me if i liked them i'd be like um if i didn't like them i would be like no <laughs> oh okay i think you're unusual i think most people, um, is it you gotta it be is. honest no but there's Why not also be some sort of like getting to know someone like I give someone sometimes the benefit of the doubt where it's like someone could be having a hard day and well yeah I can have a vibe off someone sometimes yeah. it's not just like the, the first interaction that's Maya Angelou said when they show you who they are believe them <laughs> that's what she said yeah no, but I think it's very much like you know when someone um, gives you a present and, and they yeah, say do you presence. like it I think the norm is to say um, yes I like it whether you do or not, that it's kind of being nice to the other person. Yeah. Isn't that lying? That is well, lying yeah, at that point. If you're just saying you I like mean, them just because you want to be nice. I think I would just be like, I haven't gotten to know you really well enough yet. That's what I'm saying. I'd rather prefer that than just but being like saying, But I also like think saying, like, yeah, I like, our, like the like... younger generation, I feel like there is a bit of an etiquette, not to say like Margaret Clark, that not like an just older generation. Oh, but you know what I mean? But it is like, I think there was an etiquette like that was learned in previous generations that this generation's kind of trying to break down to like have, you know, more like transparent conversations and then that like creates it's a whole other, um, you know, way of looking at. Things. I agree. There, there oh, has yeah. to. We have to lead with transparency, or we'll just continue to, uh, you know, be in these worlds of a gray areas. And no one likes a gray area. I don't know. This is. I mean, Margaret Clark. Can we have drinks? Because we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should say, you know, while I am in the in the older generation that you're talking about, the participants in our study. Oh. Um, we're almost all, most of them were in their 20s. There you go, Okay, Ryan. well, there you Sir go. Ryan. Well, let me ask you one more question before we wrap. We got 15 seconds. Do you like us? Okay. Oh, God. Do you like Do I, us? Of course I like you. You're lying. Bye. <laughs> Get her out of here. <laughs> That's what I would say. He's joking. I'm you're just, always you're welcome amazing. here. <laughs> OMG. You're going to scare our guests away. That was Margaret Clark. Uh, John M. Is it Muser? Professor of Psychology at Yale. And wow. John M. Musser. Musser. But there we go. Enough. I'll be Thank hitting you. you up for my reference when I decide to go to Yale. Oh. Do you <laughs> okay. guys have a master's program? <laughs> I'll be in touch. We gotta okay. go. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So uh, one TikTok user, we like uh, going into the depths of TikTok and finding some conversations. And wow. there's a lot of those. You said we. 
Producer Vanessa and I <laughs> the, the work, the heavy lifting here. Uh, t- ah, lies. Uh, you? Oh, you are asking for it. Yeah, okay, all right. TikTok user at Boodle Migs. Um, so she has a lot of these videos where she goes on these rants and vents, and they're hilarious, right? So this time she went on a rant about the word fat. Uh, and this is basically what she had to say. I think as a society, we have progressed beyond the need to use fat as an insult. It's a f***ing adjective. I don't know what people expect the reaction to be when you call someone fat. Like they say it like they're driving a spear through your f***ing heart. You're fat. Yes? Congratulations on having eyeballs, bitch. I was in this body before you saw it. What do you think I'm looking at? No other adjective is treated that way. If I came up to you and said, you're tall, you wouldn't want to sock me in the face. I mean, points are made. So what do you think about uh, this? And a lot of people had things to say about this. Well, for me, I totally agree with her. Um, I think people like to take the low-hanging fruit and and try to use that as a, a dagger of some sort. Like they're like, you know, making a joke about you, but it's lazy. It's not even anything that matters. It Maybe it was triggering to someone when they were like 12. Um, but now as fully formed adults, for me specifically, I own it. Like, I'm like, I always say I'm a queer, fat, black person who exists in spaces and takes up spaces, and I love it. Yes. And so for me, like, that is just how it is, and that's just how it's going to be. And if you have a problem with my fat, black ass, then that's on you. That's not on me. Uh-huh. And, like, why make comments about people's bodies in general? But that's what we are. That's what we see. I mean, we see yeah. we see Will Smith going on a whole diet challenge and calling his, his actually really attractive body disgusting. You see things in society where oftentimes it's now guess what the new thing is like oh you're like um you're like fat like lizzo or like you're like fat like someone else that is like big you got a kim kardashian the... no that's not the same thing because people actually like that when they're oh, talking about, about disgusting and like, like fat they're like relaying to a society relates to fat being as unhealthy and not oh, I thought attractive you meant you're, okay you, I, you right. completely yeah it's, got it it's all continue right. it's all right it's all right but at the same time um, one, people are allowed to be what they want to be, whatever makes them happy. Um, and, you know, this whole video brought up a discussion, one of how uncomfortable people are with that word in general. Someone said to this video, it, it, it is something to be ashamed of. Another said, America disappoints me with every passing day. Uh, I've, uh, there were others that said, love this, love your attitude. I used to cry when people called me fat. And now I'm like, OK, and... That said, doesn't mean... Which is great. To get to that course, place means the, something. the reclamation of it, right? But at the same time, it's like, if something was a trigger, something that was hurtful, why even bring that up? Like, why why use someone's wounds against them? Like, I just find that horrible. Just like an evil thing to do. Were you ever a high school person? <laughs> uh, y- yes, I was. Uh, I was in high school. That thing we call high school. Are just people in general like that? I just, just I mean, I get it. Is. And I've been around people like that. I always had a hard time being around even friends in high school that I would hear them talk about people, not saying these things, but just talk about doing the high school thing, the gossip, the this, that, insults. And I just didn't get it. Like, what do you gain from it? It's just mean. I'm so happy to know that you were Mother Teresa out of the womb. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, she has never made any sort of... No, I mean, and even when I notice I do these days, like if I'm saying something or talking badly about someone, I'll be like, okay, that is not like the me, the... Real Shira speaking. That's hurt Shira. That is disgusting. (laughs) How dare you insult me? That is disgusting. (laughs) But no, actually, it's fully formed, and you're like Oprah Super So Sunday. No, I'm. I'm You're a walking Super So Sunday episode. I'm just saying, let's not insult each other. We shouldn't. We really shouldn't. Let's also embrace who we are and who we want to be. That's it. It's not that difficult. And if you uh, you think I'm too fat, your man still want me. Hey. Okay, ew, I'm not gonna, ew, gross. I'm not going to center a man. That's that's the patriarchy. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to center my attractiveness and my worth based on if a man wants me. But if someone is interested, you could slide into Ryan's DMs. Oh, my God. She just At auctioned me off. So many things are happening on this show today. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the day. Yeah. It's Queen. Okay. Now, for the first time in the script's National Spelling Bee's 96-year history, an African-American has taken home the top prize. That's right. Zayla Avant-Garde, which I love the name, who's 14, an eighth grader from Harvey, Louisiana, won the competition in $50,000. 
She said, it made me really proud. I'm really hoping lots of little brown girls all over the world and stuff are really motivated to try out spelling because it's a really fun thing to do and it's a great way to connect yourself with education, which is super important. She won the competition with the winning word, Mariah. Not like Mariah Carey. It's another word, M-U-R-R-A-Y-A. I didn't even know what that word was until this story, which is a genus of tropical Asiatic and Australian trees. What the? I mean, this stuff is so random. Have you ever seen those movies about the spelling bees? This stuff is crazy. But uh, happy she got that word and made history. So congrats to Zayla Avant-Garde. Yes. Yes, a big yes, queen. Oh, and we have a clip. Does this word contain, like, the English name Murray, which could be the name of a comedian, or just the English name in general? I don't see that here. Bill Murray made the spelling bee. <laughs> Maria. That tells you she's on the right M- track, though. Wait, uh, what is the name, Georgian? It's formed in Latin from a Swedish name. Maria. M-U-R-R-A-Y-A. That is correct. <laughs> well, amazing. Such a cute moment. She was like spinning around in the confetti. She was so excited. I mean, she's a champ. And inspiring so many other uh, young girls and children. So we love that. And that does it for our show today. Mm-hmm. Yes, queen. <laughs> but we are back Monday weekdays here on Channel Q Live, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Next week, I am out. Char Josel is filling in, joining Ryan here. You're I'm gonna excited. Have a, a good old time. It's going to be fun. It is. And you're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. You've got the What's Trending This Hour, the T-Report, uh, what to do when the mean girl is an adult. Oh, that's how to deal with an adult bully. We're talking about you while you're gone. Of course. How did I know? <laughs> the big bully here. Plus, uh, why LGBTQ homeowners are trending younger. That's good. And h- how you can get a home, I guess, if, if you're a young LGBTQ person. Uh, that is next week's show, plus much more. And if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Stick around for What's Poppin' with DJ Alex D right after this. Have a great weekend. Bye, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.